In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight we hear the story of the high priest Caiaphas. It doesn't take a theological degree to see the antagonism between Caiaphas and our Lord, but there are some things that are helpful for us to consider and pull out of the overall narrative of Jesus' passion. So let's start with just a little history on the high priestly office. This was established by God through Moses in the book of Exodus is where we read about it. Moses' brother, Aaron, served as the very first high priest. And while the tribe of Levi in general was to serve as the clergy for ancient Israel, it was Aaron's line in particular that would serve in this special capacity, that one man after another from Aaron's family would serve as the high priest. It was intended at the time to be a lifetime appointment. They were to be the representative of all Israel in the sacrificial system. And so when they would go in before the Ark of the Covenant, for instance, they would wear a breastplate that had 12 gemstones set into it that represented each tribe of Israel. In effect, when the high priest stood before God, he was all of Israel reduced down to one man. By the time the trial of Jesus happens, the office of high priest in Israel had become very political. It was political because the Sadducees, the sect of Judaism that was in control of the temple in those days and supplied the high priest, was very cautious about not doing anything to upset their Roman rulers. In fact, in the Old Testament, the one who was chosen to be the high priest would serve in that office for life, as I've already said, but under Roman rule, the one serving did so at the pleasure of the Roman Caesar. And you know how the government often works. They play favorites in order to solidify their political uh, pos position. And so the high priestly office, which was limited to the descendants of Aaron, the first high priest became a dynasty, but only then in the time of Jesus did it get limited to certain families because of political favorites. Last week, we heard the name Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. And early in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 3, we learn that he was the high priest immediately before Caiaphas. And by this time, even though Aaron would have had countless descendants in Israel, including John the baptizer and his, both of his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Rome had made appointments from just this one family based on their allyship with this family. So let's look at the interplay between Jesus and the high priest Caiaphas. We will look first at the prophetic character of Caiaphas and at his role specifically as high priest. So first, let's consider that prophetic character of Caiaphas. In John chapter 11, after the raising of Lazarus, the Pharisees and the Jewish Sanhedrin, the council of the leaders of the people, plot together about how to destroy Jesus. 
This was in direct response to the raising of Lazarus because, as John noted, many of the Jews who witnessed this miracle began to believe in Jesus. In fact, it appears throughout the Gospel of John that even some members of the Sanhedrin were converted over to believing in Jesus, including Nicodemus and um, Joseph of Arimathea. So, we get an interesting insight on the plot to bring down Jesus from this conversation that John records. The Sanhedrin reports that Jesus has done this miracle, and then they say, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. In this complaint, we see all the cards as they're laid out on the table. First, I think they know who Jesus is. But more importantly, for our story this evening, we see the very precarious and political nature of the high priestly office at work. If Jesus were to stir up the crowds that were following him into a mob, that would bring the Romans down on their heads. The Romans did not tolerate any sort of dissidence in their empire. The Sanhedrin was probably aware that a large group of Jews had already tried to make Jesus king after the feeding of the 5,000. We'll hear about that on Sunday, by the way. But the other thing in play is that if Jesus really is the Messiah, which we know that he is, if he really is the Messiah, that will mean that the relationship between Israel and Rome would be fundamentally changed. The Caesars were seen in those days as gods, at least to some degree. And if that were true, if Jesus is the Messiah, Israel could no longer swear fealty to the Roman Caesar. This is why we, as Christians today, have to be very careful about assigning too much trust too much praise and too much glory to the governments of this world. We know that while we are citizens of this country, the United States, that also means that because we are citizens of another country, of a heavenly country, that sometimes our interests are in conflict with the interests of the governments of this world. And we have to be able to wrestle with that. But that aside, Caiaphas responded to this complaint about Jesus in an interesting way. And this shows his prophetic character. He said, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. John tells us that this is a prophecy that came from Caiaphas because of the fact that he was the high priest. In other words, even though Caiaphas was working against Jesus, God still spoke through him because of his office and used him to accomplish his own divine plans and purposes. This is an important part of the story of Caiaphas because it shows God's power to work all things together for good. St. Paul says in Romans 8, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
for those who are called according to his purpose. The father loved the son. And the father's love for the son drove Jesus to the cross where he would accomplish our salvation, the salvation of the whole world. Now that may seem odd to our ears that the father's love for Jesus drove Jesus to the cross. But remember that Jesus and the father are of one will. They both share the same desire to redeem mankind, and it was out of love for the Son and his desire to save us that the Father cleared the way for Jesus to go to the cross. But even more so, this speaks to us of the Father's love for us. Jesus' death on the cross was not just for the nation of Israel, But it was also, as John writes, to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. That's us. That's you and me. This is an explicit reference to those people who are not Israelites by birth, but who are grafted into the family of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of those biblical examples that we can return to when we face evil in this world, whether it is from people in authority or even some evil that we face privately. God will use that evil for good. He promises to do so, and he will not go back on his promises that he's made to us in his word, even the words that he spoke through the mouth of Caiaphas. Dear saints, God has sent his son to die for you. And he will upend the plans of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature to bring himself, bring you to himself. Lastly, let's talk about Caiaphas's role as the high priest. St. Paul nicely summarizes the importance of the entirety of the religious laws and the system of sacrifice of Israel for us today as Christians. In Colossians chapter 2, he writes, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That is... The Old Testament ceremonies, especially those surrounding the sacrifices and worship life of Israel, which would have centered on the high priestly office directly, all of that served as a foreshadowing of the life and ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, this means that when we read about these things in the Old Testament, we should remember that God recorded them for us so that we would learn more about what Jesus did and why. But in particular, the high priestly office points us to Jesus in a special way. Remember, Caiaphas asked Jesus, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In one of his last acts in the scripture, Caiaphas puts an end to the office of the high priest, not only pointing us to Jesus with these words as the Messiah, but also offering him up 
as the once and for all sacrifice for the sins of the world. And in so doing, Caiaphas played his role in the story of our salvation. From this point, Jesus becomes both the sacrifice and the new high priest, the better high priest, the final high priest. The writer of Hebrews says, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Jesus is the new high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, the one who blessed Abraham and the ancestor of Jesus. This priesthood that Caiaphas possessed was brought to an end because Jesus has fulfilled that role on our behalf. And where he stands at the right hand of God, he is continually holding up his sacrificial death as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.